Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today I am interviewing Samantha Torres. She is a backyard farmer from Wisconsin who has a yard full of critters who each have their own personalities and keep me very entertained over on Instagram. Samantha shares with us some best practices for taking care of her animals, as well as talks to us about her brand new job that she just started recently. She is seriously one of the sweetest people that I've had the pleasure of meeting over on Instagram, so I can't wait for you to get to know her better. Enjoy. Hey, Samantha, how are you? Hi, Caitlin. I'm good. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thank you for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm excited for people to get to know who you are a little bit better. So for my listeners who uh, aren't familiar with you, uh, just give us a little description about yourself, your name, where you're from, all that fun stuff. Great. Yeah. My name is Samantha and uh, on Instagram, I'm farm hair forever. Uh, I think of myself kind of as an accidental homesteader. I grew up in the suburbs of San Diego, um, moved to Ohio five days after my wedding in 2014. And while we were in Ohio, I got a horse. Uh, We moved to Wisconsin January of 2018 and brought my horse home. But you can't have just one because they get lonely. So we had to get the mini horse as a companion for her. Um, And then we had this fenced off land. So we thought might as well add some chickens. And then we needed a livestock guardian dog to keep the chickens safe. So it kind of snowballed. Uh, It all started with the horse, though. But now we've got a nice little farm going out here in Wisconsin. It always just starts with one thing. Like, (laughs) You get one horse or you get one goat or you get one something and then everything keeps on going after that. Right. It's a domino effect. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So tell us a little bit more about your animals, their names and what their personalities are like. I know I follow you on Instagram and I just love watching you and your animals interact every day. It's one of the highlights of my mornings. Thank you so much. I love sharing them. They're just so happy and they make me so happy. Um, I know a lot of people, they say their kids really like my mini horse, Butters. Uh, He's a little white mini and he is just so sassy. He's just full of personality. He's always getting into things he shouldn't be. He will pull gloves out of my pocket and run around the pasture with them. Uh, He will play chase with my livestock guardian dog, Spot, and he's just always annoying my pony, Bella, Um, but she's really good. She's very patient with him. Uh, Bella was my first horse that I got in Ohio, and when I got her, she actually had quite a few health problems. She had heaves, which is basically horse asthma, and It took a long time for us to get that under control. Uh, We worked with a great set of vets from uh, OSU, Ohio State University, and finally got 
her heaves under control. We now supplement her with omega-3, 6, and 9 and vitamin E and keep her completely pastured. She does not even have a barn stall to go into, just the pasture and the run-in shed. Um, And that has really, really helped her quality of life. Uh, So anybody that has horses that come down with heaves, it's not a death sentence. Her case was incredibly bad and she has been incident free for over a year now. So there's definitely a lot you can do lifestyle wise to help them. Um, We were really happy to get her over that hump, but then she scratched her eye grazing probably. And uh, unfortunately it healed over a bit of bacteria The eye continued to deteriorate uh, with the infection, and we had to remove it. So poor thing. She lost her eye, but she gets around just fine. Um, You really can't even tell. I don't think she can tell. Uh, And she's just as happy as can be now. So those are my horses. And then I have my four chickens, actually three chickens and a rooster, I got them last year as day-old chicks, uh, and they were, we got them in July. So they started laying in the middle of winter, which was really fun to start getting fresh eggs and have a little, a little excitement, a little spring in the dead of winter out here in Wisconsin. Uh, And our livestock guardian dog, Spot, he is just the best guardian for them. They don't always go into their coop at night to roost. And if it's not too, too cold, I just kind of let them roost where they will uh, because I know he'll keep anything out of the yard. So it's just a huge weight lifted for me to not have to worry about predators with them. Um, You know, there's just so much else you have to worry about when you take care of animals on a farm. So to have just that peace of mind that a raccoon or coyote is not going to come get them at night is just invaluable. He is like my best friend on the farm. He's such a good partner and I just love him. He's a a Maremma. So he looks like a great Pyrenees, but he's the Italian version. The Italian stallion spot. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have quite the lineup there and they honestly keep me quite entertained and I think my favorite (laughs) is when Spot and Butters are actually playing with one another and chasing each other around the field like that's my favorite thing to watch oh my gosh they're so funny they do that every single day I love it that's good that they get along (laughs) yes yeah and with mini horses they have a hard time sometimes um not getting too fat so I'm glad he gets that exercise because He's too small for me to ride, and I just don't work with him uh, consistently enough to keep his weight in check, so Spot really helps me out, kind of give him a little workout every day. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (sighs) And you mentioned to me before that you actually have some new chicks this year, too. Yes, yeah. So we were noticing that every single egg we were cracking was fertilized. So in the yolk, uh, you probably know this, it's just a little white bullseye. And that means that the egg is fertilized. So I just was starting to get that itch for spring out here in Wisconsin. The winters are really long and got an incubator off Amazon. 
and set five eggs um, and all of them hatched. We had a 100% hatch rate and the chicks now are, they'll be three weeks old Tuesday and this upcoming Tuesday and uh, they're just so healthy. And I was actually talking to uh, another one of our friends, uh, Kelsey, about how these barnyard blends, these chickens that just you hatch yourself, they seem to be so much healthier than the ones, my first set that I got um, from an online, you know, they got mailed at one day old. Um, These ones that I hatched, they're just so active and already doing things like dust bathing and scratching that it took my other ones, my first set, a couple months to kind of get in the hang of. So there really is something about just the natural hens and roosters and mixing the different breeds. Um, You get a really robust bird out of it. That's so interesting. I have honestly learned so much about chickens from you and the other girls that uh, we're both friends with on Instagram about chickens and about broody hens that I didn't even know what a broody hen meant before I was friends with you guys. And Honestly, it just makes me want to have chickens of my own someday. <laughs> no, they're great. I'm, I just love mine fruit range. So I love their, their part chickens for laying, but part long ornament. Just looking out on a sunny afternoon and seeing them peck around. It's just the sweetest thing. It makes me so happy. Well, and you're giving them a good life and letting them do what they're meant to be doing, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. I know that, you know, if the time comes where any of them do need to be cold, I know that we can take care of it uh, quickly, humanely. And that makes me feel really good because I don't have that sense of security when I buy conventional eggs from a grocery store. Uh, I'm not as confident that those birds are getting the same quality of life that I know mine are. Right. I feel the same. So you mentioned the long, cold winters of Wisconsin. Yes. They yeah. They seem to be a little bit worse than the ones in southern Alberta. Northern Alberta are pretty similar, I would say, to Wisconsin, but not southern Alberta. We're pretty spoiled down here. <laughs> but uh, you, well, you experienced the polar vortex of yes. 2019. So tell us a little bit more about that and how you took care of your animals during that time. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, we got into dangerous cold temperatures. Um, Our actual temperatures dipped down to negative 30. And with wind chill, we were in the negative 50s. Um, I was not too worried about Butters, the mini horse, because he's fat and fluffy and young. He's only four, which is really prime vitality age. Uh, But Bella, my pony, is 19. And She is nice and fat and fluffy right now, too, but being 19 and having the previous health problems, I was a little more worried about her, so I was running hay out really every two to three hours, keeping hay in front of them as they eat. Uh, The way they digest, they have a hindgut fermentation process that keeps their whole body warm. It's like a wood-burning stove in their gut. So by keeping food in front of them continuously, I was kind of stoking that fire the entire time and kept them warm. I'd also soak hay cubes in warm water and bring those out. 
So they'd stay uh, not just fed, but they'd get a little warm water and make sure that they stayed hydrated. So the horses, that was a lot of work, but they pulled through just fine. Didn't even get any frostbite on ear tips. Um, They were great, pulled through perfectly. Uh, It probably helps. Bella was a BLM Mustang from uh, Utah. So it it probably helped that she was, she's not a, you know, very bred, cold-blooded horse like an Arabian. She's a horse that was living in the wild, got rounded up and ended up in Ohio where I purchased her. So she probably had a little bit of help with that kind of wild blood in her. Um, And then our chickens, we actually wimped out and brought them into the basement. We have a little uh, closet in the basement and the chickens stayed in there for a couple days because our coop is not heated. And I was really concerned about them. And Spot, our livestock guardian dog, despite our pleas to get him inside, he was dead set on staying out and he was perfectly fine. I think he stayed in the run and shed with the horses most of the time. Um, He also has a dog bed that's right against the house. So it gets a little residual heat from the house as well, but he did fine as well. Refused to come in uh, and they all pulled through. But it's not something that I'd be eager to repeat. I'm really hoping for an easy winner this next winter. <laughs> no doubt. It was hard, I think, for most of the Midwest and basically anywhere, actually. Like, if it wasn't cold, it was raining or the weather was right. just weird. Oh, yeah. And mud can be just as bad, especially if you have horses or cattle. Um, that mud can be brutal. Yes. I am looking forward to spring that is right around the corner. Oh, I know. We're having warmer weather today. We're in the 40s and the sun is shining and it just looks so deceptively warm. I went out with no jacket on and quickly regretted it, but we're getting there. (laughs) Oh, that's good. So do you have any plans for expansion for your little backyard farm? We're definitely... uh, Obviously, we've hatched these chicks that are going to be incorporated into the flock. But I also ordered some that are arriving in July that are darker brown layers. So uh, I'm a, a copper moran is coming. Um, and this is so bad, but I actually forget the other three. I ordered four and I forget the other three. That chicken math, it's just getting to me. You look at so many and you change your list so many times. It's kind of hard to keep track. Um But I'm definitely adding more chickens, and I really wanted to add bees uh, here on our property, but we border a cornfield and a soybean field, and I don't know if the bees would be able to get enough, uh, would be able to forage off of enough because we're surrounded by really monocrop fields. The bees don't really like that. But I'm very, very fortunate in that the uh, produce farm that I just started working at wanted to do bees as well. So I will be able to do bees on their property, not mine, uh, which is great. That is great. That was going to be my next question is about your new job. Tell us about that. Yes, it was so exciting. I had previously, uh, you know, worked an office job uh, in real estate and 
Being more involved on my little homestead here just made me want to dive even further into that. Uh, and I was just drifting further away from office life. So I was really lucky to find a great job. Uh, there's a local farm right in my backyard here, about 20 minutes from my house. They grow all kinds of produce, uh, heirloom varieties. They don't use pesticides. They uh, compost, use organic fertilizers, and try to use uh, natural pest controls as much as possible. So I was really excited with how they did things and also what they do. They collaborate with chefs in Chicago and provide the produce for them. So I really like that people that are living in the city have an opportunity to have this fresh produce that is sustainably grown and uh, the small scale agricultural model that they use. It's just a really good way to get more people in the community involved. Um, you obviously have to hire more people for harvesting season and you're giving local people jobs on farms, which is more and more kind of becoming a lost um, profession with us people getting involved in farming. And I think this is a really good approachable way to get people excited about it. Um, we're growing a variety of different produces. Just last week, I planted uh, broccoli, kale, and eggplant, as well as lettuce. Um, mustard greens and spinach. So that's kind of our first round. We're going to obviously keep going in phases, but you're not just doing one crop all day. You're doing half a dozen different crops in a single day, which keeps things really interesting and gives you a more holistic um, impression of what it takes to grow things, not just one crop, but what keeps the soil happy to support many different things. And of course, the pollinators love it if you've got a whole buffet for them to choose from. So I just really love that now I feel like I'm a part of making the land better and giving healthy food to people that are in a city and might not have that option to grow their own food for themselves. That sounds like an amazing operation to be part of. And I think you've touched on something really important here about people who are urban versus rural, losing that connection to their food. So good job for you and your farm for continuing to do that. So for the next question, you have sort of touched on this already, but what do you think is the most satisfying part about being a farmer or working on a farm? Oh, uh, for me, I think seeing new life, um, seeing the first little seeds sprout up, you know, the little shoots and it still has the seed shell on it, or obviously watching the chicks hatch. It just, it's so beautiful. Um, but at the same time, you know, Bella's my little senior at 19 years old and just watching a senior pony who she had a tough life. Um, so seeing her just graze peacefully or, you know, on a cooler day, cooler day, if she gets a little feisty watching her buck around and race around the pasture. I just love um, seeing the new life, but then also knowing that I can make sure the animals in my care have a great life all the way through to the end of their days. And that makes me feel really, really good about the impact I'm making uh, in my little world here. 
I think what you're doing on your homestead, although it may be small, is actually helping drive the bigger picture of what agriculture in the future will look like and what it can look like for people who may not have the land right now or the money right now to start big, but to know that they can start small. That is so true. Yep. And, you know, I do have to remind myself, for me, it might just seem like I only have four chickens, but to those chickens, this is everything they'll ever know. So um, if you have four or four, you know, if you can give them a good life, it's just a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Can you name any farmers, either male or female, that inspire you? Uh, Definitely Kelsey Jorison up here. I love chicken. Her approach to chicken farming really gave me a lot of courage to farm or to attempt to raise chickens myself. Um, she's so approachable with how she handles things. Um, she is definitely authentic. And when she has a sick chicken, she shares that, uh, Sometimes it can be intimidating to think that everybody just has everything down perfectly and nobody's chickens ever get sick and nobody has to deal with mites. And that's just a really unrealistic expectation that just sets you up to feel inadequate when everybody has a struggle on their farm. Everybody has something they're dealing with. Everybody's battling something that they're trying to uh, find a better solution for. So I just really love that she shares uh, the good and the bad to let people know, you know, it's okay to hit a little roadblock and you'll find a way over it. And uh, you can have support with people around you. So I really appreciate following her and she's local to me here. So it's kind of nice that when we hit crazy weather, like the polar vortex, I can check up on what she's doing. And if she's bringing chickens inside, it really motivates me that that's probably the direction I should lean into Right, for sure. (laughs) instead of toughing it out. (laughs) I was writing a blog post this morning, actually, about uh, what most people call the highlight reel that is Instagram and what farm life really looks like versus what the Joanna Gaines white farmhouse style thing is. And it's so funny to me because everybody has a picture of what a farm or a farmer looks like. And then versus reality, most of the time, it isn't what it actually looks like. Oh, yeah. To keep the house and the interior perfect and seasonally decorated, it's just not always doable if you also want to prioritize keeping your pasture healthy and your animals happy. Um, there's just only so many hours in the day. So that's why you might notice there's very few pictures of my house on Instagram <laughs> because I put most of my effort outside into the pasture and with my animals. So, uh, yeah, my house, um, I think I still have some Christmas decorations up, um, by my front door, uh, got to switch out the wreath, but that's okay. You can't do everything. There is definitely one corner of my house that is more pictured than any other because one, it gets good light and two, it's probably the only clean part of my house. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I've been there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I know my corner now that you say that where I tend to like aim the camera. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Kelsey Jorison is one of the most influential farmers in my life and I'm excited to actually interview her next week for the podcast. So. We'll get to hear from her. Awesome. Too. Yeah, that's great. And also, I know we both know the Ranch Wives Beef Co. I have bought um, some of their boxes as gifts. 
uh, I just love their model for, they have their free range cattle. They um, also do a lot with the environment to promote the um, health of that range land. So I know just recently they posted about uh, working with kind of a, a duck or a fowl conservation groups. And I just think that's so important, um, especially kind of in light of people leaning towards veganism uh, for the health of the planet. It's just really important to also appreciate the positives that pastured cattle can bring to the environment. And uh, I really like that they're helping to bring that to light and also bring just amazing food to people's tables. Yeah, I totally agree. Their business model is one that I think people should be looking into. And I know I can't personally order any of their boxes or meat from them because I'm in Canada, but Mm -hmm. uh, there's definitely people in my area that are doing similar things. And I think it's important to be promoting and supporting these smaller businesses versus getting whatever you can from a grocery store because it's cheaper or whatever you you know where this meat is coming from, you support the way that they raise it. And I think it's, it's a good business model to go by. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I love it. I mean, I love to just see animals ranging and grazing and pasture land. That's just, it's just bucolic. It's beautiful. And it's so, uh, so country. I love it. Me too. Okay. Samantha. Is there anything that you wanted to tell the listeners that I haven't asked you yet? Uh, Well, I think this has been a great conversation. I feel like, thank you so much. You've really um, led me to a lot of wonderful conversations. Uh, The only thing I would just say, you know, is don't be afraid to get started. Um, You really do learn as you go. And we're just so fortunate right now, this time uh, with technology You can find the answers to almost anything online, um, either on forums, just Google searches, or find some people on Instagram that give a lot of valuable information for you to follow. Uh, This community is really friendly. And if you have any questions, just message people. And more often than not, they'll reply and be really happy to help guide you through whatever questions you have. So yeah, don't be afraid to get started. It's a great adventure. I think the agriculture community, ranching community, homesteading community, all of these communities really all come together um, through social media. And I would say 90% of the time, it's a good conversation to be having. There's ideas and suggestions bounced off one another. And I don't think I've ever met anyone that hasn't been willing to help or give advice and any problems that I ever had, whether it was for gardening or for my goats or anything like that. It's always just been such an inclusive community and I'm happy to be a part of it with you. Oh yeah. It's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. This was so fun. Oh, thank you so much, Samantha. It has been a pleasure getting to know you a bit better today. And for a reminder for the listeners, can you let them know where they can stay in contact with you? I am on Instagram. My handle is Farm Hair Forever. Uh, so you can find me there. And you know, Caitlin, I mainly post my animals. So lots of uh, horse pictures and chickens. <laughs> and keep on doing that. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Samantha. Have a great day. Thanks, Caitlin. Thanks, you too. 
Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.